It's always a great joy to be here. Apart from Newtown, this is the, my favorite church in Wales. <laughs> Apart from Newtown, I have to say that, I'll start getting into real big trouble. But I, I just, I love you, I love being here, I love your pastor and I love his wife, I just love you and it's, uh, it's just always an absolute honor and a privilege to come from mid Wales down a little bit further to come uh, into Abergavenna and to also to see and hear of God's goodness to you. You know, you ought to be really blessed in your heart today to be here because there's lots of places in Wales where you wouldn't want to be. We need God, don't we, to move through our land. And uh, I, I believe he is moving and I believe he will move and I believe God's going to do great things for us in this land. Hallelujah. Right, the word I want to bring to you this morning is from Judges 14. I want to read the first nine verses. Uh, So I'm going to read it to you, the first nine verses, and then we're going to just look at what we can draw out of that passage today. It says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Then it says in brackets, his parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time, they were ruling over Israel. Before I go on, by the way, if there's any of you here today that have dedicated your children to God, and then at some point... They come out with something so outrageous, it really hurts you. You think that is just the most awful things to say. Be encouraged. Because Samson had been dedicated to God, came out with this outrageous statement. And it says this, but his parents did not know that this was from the Lord. God is still working, even when sometimes your offspring come out with the most ridiculous and outrageous statement that may hurt you. God is sovereign, hallelujah, in every situation. It says, Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. And as they approached the vineyards of Timnah, suddenly a young lion came roaring towards him. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman and he liked her. Sometime later, when he went back to marry her, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it as he went along. And when he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they too ate it. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. I want to bring to you four things from this passage today. And by God's grace, I trust that there will be a divine whisper to your hearts that will either confirm, encourage, lift, or challenge you, because that's what I've been praying for God to do. It's easy to speak at a church. It's harder to speak into a church. Uh, and so I just pray that today, this won't be a message in the building, uh, but a word from God to the church. 
So first thing I want to say is this, and this might be a discouraging thing to you. I want to tell you that your anointing does not prevent adversity. It says in chapter 13, the last verse of the previous chapter, Samson grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord begin, began to stir him. Now, that's what we like, don't we? I mean, individually and as a church, we like it, the growing part. Samson grew. We like the blessing part, and the Lord blessed him. We like the stirring part, when the spirit of the Lord is at work. I mean, that is, if it, if it all stayed like that, wouldn't it be wonderful? Those three great things, growing, blessing, and stirring. We say, hallelujah, Lord, bring it on. That's wonderful. We, when we enjoy God's blessings, when we recognize God's favor, when we see God's purposes, life is good. And, it, and then suddenly, in a moment, everything changes. Because Samson is en- encountered and confronted with a lion. And you know, every one of us will have moments like that in our lives. Churches have moments like that. And I want you to enter the text. I always say to people, you don't just read the text. You must enter the text. Step into it. I want you to see this rotten, stinking lion. I want you to see Samson. I want you to see the the, the act. I want you to see his confrontation by this lion. Because there's four little things about that confrontation. Because we have moments in life when everything's honky-dory. Everything's wonderful. But then all of a sudden, in a moment, something confronts us. And in fact, if we look at it, what happened here, there was four simple things. He was confronted with what he didn't expect. It says suddenly. Now, we like the Bible when it's God's suddenlies. Day of Pentecost, suddenly, we think, oh yeah, praise God. Those moments when God can break in. But there are other suddenlies in the Bible that are not so good. When the roaring, the roaring lion, the enemy comes against us. And sometimes in life, life throws a suddenly at us. It throws a suddenly at churches. It throws a suddenly at individuals. Those dark, scary moments that we did not anticipate. But not only was it what he didn't expect, it was also what he didn't want to hear. A lion roars. And how often can life be great and then suddenly we hear sounds that we didn't want to hear? Bad news. Health issues. Job issues, marriage issues, children issues, family issues. Those things that don't just, we don't expect, but also we don't want to hear because they, they disturb us. No matter how blessed we are, they disturb us. And then also, he was confronted with what we don't want to face. A lion that threatens awful situations that cause his heart to tremble. Now, I've been in full-time ministry now almost 50 years. And I want to tell you today, I've had moments in my life when fears entered my heart. For family, for church, scary moments. Things that I didn't want to face. Things that kind of suddenly come. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying life. I'm really blessed. And, and then suddenly something happens. And also, like with Samson here, not only was it what he didn't expect what he didn't want to hear, what he didn't want to face. But it was something that he didn't have an answer for because it says that he was empty-handed. Empty-handed. In other words, he had no natural answer for what came against him. So look at the text again. The day started great. 
Samson is anointed. He's stirred, he's blessed, he's got favor on his life. uh, And he's off with his parents to find a wife. But then the Bible tells us he just wanders off to eat some grapes. And then suddenly there's unexpected horror. Twelve months ago, our granddaughter, Isla, started high school. And on the day she started high school, she collapsed and ended up five days in hospital, and they diagnosed her with type 1 diabetes. For the last 12 months, she's hardly had any schooling. Uh, uh, life's been, the whole family has been turned upside down. She has a pump fitted to, to put the insulin in and all this kind of stuff. And I knew nothing about type 1 diabetes. Then all of a sudden, on a day where she's got a brand new uniform on, she goes to high school, photographs are taken, it's all exciting, and suddenly confronted with what a sound you don't want to hear, a sight you don't want to see. You feel so empty-handed. When the builders on our project went bust, I had a point where I didn't want to open letters anymore because it was all so negative. It was all so dark. It was all so... And you get into situations in life where basically you can handle lots of things, but some things you just can't handle. It's too big for you. And I just want to encourage you today by saying that having the favor of God on your life and having the favor of God on your church does not exempt you from adversity. In fact, it guarantees it. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Be encouraged. It seems to me that adversity is married to anointing. The more God blesses you, the more you'll face those kind of suddenness. You know, churches are usually founded by people with vision and faith because people want to do something in their communities. And I believe this church is a church that was birthed by God for something greater than it's yet reached. I believe God birthed this place so that you would not be an ordinary church, but a church that would be, like Samson was called to be, a deliverer of the people. The people all around you are bound by a Philistine culture. An ungodly culture, a demonic culture, an evil, sinful culture. And the people around us need to be delivered from under the rule of that Philistine culture. But for that to happen, we need to have churches that will be churches of deliverance. And Christians who will be people of faith to believe that all things are possible in the name of Jesus. But it's clear to me in scripture that anointed people and anointed churches will attract the devil's attention. Simply because of the danger they are to his territory. Make no mistake. The devil will confront people and churches who carry an obvious anointing. Who are seeking to change their communities. And the devil will do his utmost to assault them and to distract them from that vision. I want you to notice something which a lot of people um, just don't seem to see. It talks about where the lion attacked him. It says, as he approached the vineyards. Vineyards are the place of wine. Vineyards are the place of new wine, of joy, of blessing. Jesus said, I am the vine. And it was as he approached the vineyards. God's fullness is in the vineyards. And you know, many great projects are aborted near the vineyards because the closer we get to what God wants us to have, the more the enemy will come about us at those times. 
It's as if the enemy prowls near the vineyards. Let me tell you something. God's got new wine for you. God's got more joy for you. God's got more blessings for you. The vine Jesus has got more for you. But the more you as a church reach for that blessing, and the more you as a Christian seek to get closer to God and to get more of him, you will find that that anointing on your life does not prevent adversity. We have to overcome the enemy to seize the new wine. I've learned that when people get close to those vineyards and close to getting to a new level and to a breakthrough, that's when the lion attacks. That's the first thing to encourage you. Anointing does not prevent adversity. The second thing I want you to see is this, that what comes against you can't match what God puts on you. It says the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson in power so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. When something comes against you, God has something to come upon you. Glory to God. When the enemy shows his teeth, God shows his power. Hallelujah. When the lion against you roars, remember, there is another lion in the Bible too. That roars louder. And that lion is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. So when the lion of this enemy in this earth in which we live comes and roars against us, there is a lion that has a stronger, stronger roar and has more power to come upon you than that which comes against you. You know, Samson was 19 or 20 years of age when this happened. Now, it says in the Bible he had experienced before the stirring of the Spirit. But he had never experienced this, which says the Lord Spirit came upon him in power. There's a difference between a stirring and in power. I want to tell you, God's always got more power. You've never tasted all the power that God has. You may have been baptized in the Spirit, but there's still more power. There is still more power. You may have had stirrings and anointings, but there is still more power. You know, it's very interesting to know that in the Bible, it says nothing about Samson's size. Doesn't say how big his muscles were. Doesn't say how tall he was. You know, sometimes we get our image of Samson from children's books. You know, this great, big, hefty fellow. Well, you mustn't get your theology from children's books. Because otherwise, you'll think he was a pretty strong guy. All that Samson had going for him was the power of God. Not his own muscles. Or his own personal ability. In fact, it just refers to the fact he had bare hands. In other words, he was nothing without the power of God. Let that pink picture sink in. The only power that Samson had was not in himself, but in his God. It's good to be reminded, you know, that our victory is not in ourselves. And the victory of this church is not just simply in this church. Our victory is in another. Our victory is in God. There will be times in your life and times in your church when what comes against you is stronger than you. 
but it's not stronger than God. In other words, there will be things that you come against, which is the roar of the enemy, the roar of the lion. Even in our society, churches will come against government systems and government rules that make you feel, what can we do? We have no means of dealing with this. Sometimes you can feel that, you know, because of the laws that change, and I don't know about you, but you see things and you think, wow, how are we going to cope with that as a church? And how are we going to cope with that as a church? And things seem to be changing in society so much that, that the further away from God they can get, the better they want it to be. And we're living in that kind of situation. And they look at, you look at the church and think, well, as Christians, what are we going to do about this? And you can feel so helpless. And you look to politicians, I don't know about you, but you look to politicians, you think there's not much hope there either. And sometimes... You see and you hear the roars against you and sometimes we can feel pretty intimidated and pretty threatened. And sometimes what happens is that what comes against us clouds our future. And we're thinking, I don't know what we can do. We just feel helpless. Our hands are just bare hands in this situation. And all you seem to hear is the stamping of the lion's feet and the smell of the lion's breath. And the roar of the lion. And you look at your hands and you think, I've got nothing in my hands. How often have you been instilled by fear because of what's come against you? It can be things like sickness. You're told and you're diagnosed with a certain thing. And it's like you hear a sound and you feel that's come against you. Or in your marriage, somebody dumps you or you've been divorced or left behind and you... You think, what am I going to do? I can't handle this. My hands are just bare. It can be a business that goes burst and you just feel, I don't know what can do this against me. It's bigger than me. We've had people in our church who had false accusations made against them in the workplace. Simply because they're a Christian. And I tell you, that's hard to handle. Your hands can seem so bare. You think, how am I going to handle this? Because in our society, those things crop up. And then it's suspension from work. And then it's this procedure and this procedure. And it takes months and months and months. And what's against you, you just feel, it's bigger than me. And yet, this is what the Bible says. Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through endurance and encouragement, we might have And despite what I've said, I want to say today, I am here as a messenger of hope. I'm going to speak hope to you today. That when you are faced with a challenge that is bigger than you, be careful what you allow to come on you. Because the devil wants fear to come on you. Doubt to come upon you. Um, He wants you to feel inferior. He wants negativity to come onto you. The enemy wants despair to come upon you come upon you. And this is what we really have to allow when what comes against us is bigger than us. We have to allow God to come upon us. Let the power of God come upon our lives in the power of his spirit. A lion may be the king of the jungle, but Jesus is the king of kings. Hallelujah. God always has more resource than anything the enemy can ever bring against you. As a church, you are born for victory. 
My Bible tells me no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Let me tell you, this church will have enemies. But the Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. You as a Christian, if you get on fire for God and passionate about really making a difference in this community, lots will come against you. But listen, what's come against you, you must allow not to come on you because God has got something greater to come upon you that the enemy can't match with what he comes to you with. You know, many times we might want to run away from things. I've had my times where I want to run away from things. But it doesn't say that Samson outrun the lion. It says he conquered the lion. We Bible says that God's will is that he causes us always to triumph. And I've learned in, in scripture this, that you can run from temptation, but you can't run from trials. With that, we're told to run from temptation, but we're not told to run from trials. Do you know why? Because it's times like this that we read about here that actually develop our character and prepare us for our greater destiny. Do you know what our victories, like in times like these, do? They write our spiritual CV. This church has a spiritual CV. I don't know if you know that. But this church has a spiritual CV, just like you have a personal CV, which is your kind of story of your life up to now. The spiritual state of a church is developed through its CV, and you don't have a great CV if you haven't had times of conquest through bad times. It's through the tough times that we are made. It's through the tough times that God does stuff in us that can only be done in those tough times. The greatest stories we've had in our church have not come through the easy times. The greatest stories have come through the times when the lion has been against us but the lion of the tribe of Judah has been for us. Those are our greatest stories. And I, I tell you, it's like, would we like to have done without those stories? Before, yes. Now, no. Because they have developed us, made us stronger. In fact, we feel right the next time it comes, we're going to handle this even better than we did the last time. You know, every battle we have is an opportunity for a new story. Trials do not stop our destiny. They actually secure our destiny. You know, it's very interesting in the, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 37, there's a great a picture of how we should handle a crisis. Hezekiah was the king of Judah. And he was threatened by Sennacherib, who had taken every other fortified city in Judah and destroyed the people. And now he threatens, this is what he says to Jerusalem, I'm going to make your people eat their own excrement and drink their own urine. That's quite a lion that comes against you, isn't it? So what did he do? What did Hezekiah do? Because he again heard a sound he didn't want to hear, saw a sight he didn't want to see, had a problem he didn't expect. This is what he said he did in verse 1. He went to the temple of the Lord. Listen, when things come against you, never stop coming to church. So easy for people to say, oh, I can't go to church today. I've got this, this. No, no. That's where you need to be. He went to the temple of the Lord. He sought the word. What is the word of God telling me about this? And then he took the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord to him was this. Do not be afraid. In other words, 
He allowed what God's got to come upon him. He brought the situation to the Lord in verse 14, an incredible prayer. He put his trust in the Lord. He fell on the word. And then he rested and he waited on the word. And this is what the Bible says in verse 36. It simply says, then. Then. And what happened? One angel turned up. One angel turned up. And slew 185,000 Assyrians. One angel. Talk about God's got something great to come upon you. One angel. And do you know what? God said what the reason was for that happening. It says in verse 21, because you prayed to me. You ever thought, what would have happened if he hadn't prayed? Have you ever thought, what happens if we don't pray? Do you know what I believe? I believe that there are angels yawning in heaven this morning. Simply because they haven't got a mission That God wanted them to fulfill because people have not prayed. You would never miss a prayer meeting if you realized what could happen as a result of you being there. It's so true. One angel came because one person prayed. There are angels on standby this morning. And before I move to the third thing, can I just say this? A defeated devil is still stronger than a prayerless Christian. A devil defeated by the blood of Jesus is still stronger than a prayerless Christian. The Bible says that's why we have to put on the arm of God and we have to pray, 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 pray. Okay, so that's the first thing. Anointing does not prevent adversity. Secondly, what comes against you can't match what God puts on you. Thirdly, I want you to see this. That you must get ready for your sometime later moment. In verse 8 it says this, sometime later. So what happened is that Samson, because of the power of God upon him, he got hold of this lion, it says, and he tore it apart as if it was a young goat. Because of the power of God that came upon him, he was stronger than what came against him. But then, of course, he left it, dumped, went away, down to Timnah, and then he starts to come back. And the Bible says these words, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. In it was a swarm of bees and some honey, which he scooped out with his hands and ate as he went along. I think about that. The very same hands that had wrestled the lion now scoop sweetness from the very thing that sought to destroy him. Think about that. That which he never would have wanted now feeds him, nourishes him, and blesses him. I want you to see from this point that our God always has the last word. For every challenge that comes against you, there is always a sometime later moment. For every challenge you will ever have as a church, there will always be a sometime later moment. Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Joseph had his sometime later moment. When David looked back at his life in the Psalms, 
He said these words. It was good that I was afflicted. Not at the time it didn't feel good. It was good then. Because I can see what has happened since that time. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. I want to ask you, are you ready for your sometime later moment? You might be going through what feels like hell at the moment. I want to tell you, you must get ready. For your sometime later moment. Whatever situation as a church you've come through up to now. And sometimes you may think actually that we're still under the influence of some of those things that may have happened in the past. Let me tell you something. Church, you've got to believe for a sometime moment to come. So that what actually you wrestled with now will actually feed you, bless you, and nourish you. i tell you why. Because this is from Isaiah. And it shows me that our God is the God of the instead. It says, instead of the thorn bush will grow a pine tree. Instead of the briar, a myrtle tree will grow. Instead of shame, a double portion. Instead of disgrace, an inheritance. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Glory to God. So what was, was really rotten. But what God produced was really, really good. And I want to tell you, God's got a sometime later for you. A moment for you. So, so listen, get ready for some sticky hands. All right? Get ready to scoop the honey. Get ready to scoop God's blessing that he can bring out of that which actually you would never have wanted. It's time for you to catch up on your destiny. As a church, it's time for you to catch up on your destiny. And I want to tell you, the honey is on its way. The honey is on its way. Now, I know. I know. Because some of you may be sitting there thinking, you don't know my situation. A couple of days ago, I was in the opticians. And um, the lady serving me was a Christian who had just lost her husband. And uh, she was really grieving badly because she thought he was going to survive. She thought he was going to be healed. She thought there was going to be a miracle. And she was so disappointed. This, this lady serving me in the opticians was, was crying in the, in the store. Uh, when she discovered that I was a Christian, she started just to open up her heart. And uh, I could see how difficult it was for her. She was so sore, so raw. You know, sometimes in life, people go through experience that actually look like the enemy has won. When loved ones have died and we don't understand why. When sick people we pray for haven't been healed and we don't understand why. When the victories we wanted haven't been seen and life can be so painful, terribly hard. And very sensitively this morning, I want to tell you, for some of us, the honey will be a little bit later. Not just sometime later, but a little bit longer than sometime later. But the honey will come. I've been at so many gravesides. 
when I buried little children, buried people, stood there with tears, and I looked down. And in the middle of my grief, in the middle of people's weeping and mourning, I've just said in my heart, this story isn't over yet. This story is not over yet. Because the Bible tells me that a day is coming when he will wipe away all tears from our eyes. And that weeping may endure for the night. But honey is coming in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Fourthly, I want you to see this. This Bible passage tells me very clearly that we must share the honey and not the carcass. Do you know what it says in verse 9? It says, he gave his parents some and they ate it too. Listen to this. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Isn't that interesting? So here he is, honey drizzling through his fingers. He goes to his mama and his papa and he says, here, have some honey. And they say, oh, that's nice. But why does he, he said, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Now, Samson's parents, they had not been involved in the fight. They had not been involved in the battle. They had not faced the lion. They had not heard the enemy's roar. They had not been involved. And yet now, these people who hadn't been involved in the battle are nourished and fed by the victory of another. Through Samson's victory, they are now fed and they shared the fruit of his victory. And can I say to you this morning, the world doesn't need to hear us talking about our problems. Because the world has plenty of their own. What they need is honey. People don't need to know all the details of those tough times in our lives. They don't need for us to wave the carcass around. They just need the honey. And I think, you know, sometimes that there are Christians that are still carrying the carcass of battles of long ago. And bees will not settle in a carcass that is carried around. You have to let it go if you want honey. And if you are carrying around a carcass today of a battle that you fought many years ago, well, I'm telling you, let it go. Just let it go. Because otherwise... You are carrying something around that is not going to help you and it's not going to help us. It's not going to help the church and it's not going to bring what the world needs. You see, if we use our hands to carry the carcass of our hurts, if we use our hands to carry the carcass of our setbacks, the carcass of our traumas, the carcass of our disappointments, they will never use our hands to scoop out honey. So I want to say to you this morning, don't embalm life's carcasses. Let it go. And when we're talking, don't let the carcass be the subject of our conversations. You know, it's, it, we, 
Don't let's keep talking about how hard it is about the battles. I, you know, I've got my own. You've got your own. We've all got our battles. But, you know, sometimes our conversation can just be about our battles, our problems, our needs, our difficulties, the tough church season we're going through. Rather, we should be saying with our lips, the honey is on the way. The honey is on the way. The world is not waiting for carcass testimonies. It needs honey. Do you know what honey does? Honey, actually, I don't like honey, to be honest. My wife loves it on toast, but I can't stand honey on toast. But do you know what honey is? Honey is a preservative. Honey is a medicine. Honey contains antioxidants. Honey is an antiseptic. Honey actually can heal MRSA. It's antibacterial. Honey treats ulcers, colitis, burns, and allergies. And there's people in our world all around Abergavenny today that have been burned by society, that have been poisoned by society, that have the sickness and the evils of society put upon them. But I believe that the honey scoot from our battles can be given to this community to bring the healing power of Jesus, to bring the freedom of Jesus, to bring blessing to the broken hearts, to bring healing to people's wounds, to stop people's tears, to bring freedom and blessing and life. That's what the honey is for. It's what the honey is for. And listen to me, church. You need to be a church where... The honey is drizzling through your hands. Be a church with sticky hands. Yes, you'll have battles, but you're born for victory. Yes, the evil one will come against you, but there is the lion of the tribe of Judah that is for you. And you can beat the enemy, and you can conquer the enemy, and you can be a church where honey is sticky in this place. The battles are there to be won so that we go into this world as people of victory to say in the name of Jesus, we've got something for you. And we don't here to talk about our problems. We're not here to talk about this and this and this. Here, have some honey. Let the people of Abergavenny be a sticky people in this area because there's a church here that's pouring out honey. My time is over. Would you stand? I'm going to, before the band lead us in a song, I'm going to, I'm going to ask us to stand and I'm going to ask us to make a prophetic declaration. But before I, I do, I just want to say to you that if you have got a situation that needs intervention, In other words, you're in something at the moment where you're fighting and you don't seem to be winning. I'm going to ask you, in your own heart, no kind of other thing, just in your own heart, to bring that situation like Hezekiah did to God. And say, God, I need that angel that slew 185,000 Assyrians. I need that kind of intervention in my life. If you are carrying a carcass that needs to be left behind and you think think to yourself, you know, I talk a lot about my problems. I'm going to ask you to dump that carcass this morning. If you're wrestling a lion right now and it's a tough battle, I want to tell you, God's got more power for you. If you've come through a tough time and you can't understand why and you've got lots and lots of questions, I want you to simply confess today the honey 
is on the way. The honey is on the way. So what I'm going to ask us to do, if there's anything where you feel a little bit of something, anything at all, has just spoken to you, I'm going to ask you just to, in this moment of a prophetic declaration, because I'm going to ask us in a few moments, all of us, to shout together, the honey is on the way. We're going to declare it. The honey is on the way. I don't care. I don't care what's come against me. Uh, Those hurts, those things I don't understand, I'm not going to let that be a carcass in my life. I'm going to declare one day all my answers will come. All the things, God, God will deal with that. The honey is coming. Listen, mate. Listen, mate. Listen, church. We are going to be having drizzling honey through our hands for all eternity. All eternity. Because the devil will never have the last word. Because the one that's in heaven and the only lion that's in heaven is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So if you feel in any way that God has spoken to you, I'm going to lead you in a prophetic declaration. We're going to say it three times out loud. And as we do, if you feel that applies to you, I want you to lift up your hands. Lift up your hands right now. That you feel anything in there applies to you. Lift up your hands right now. And then I want the rest of you that haven't got your hands raised, I want you to join with us anyway and declare prophetically as a mark of spiritual faith and breakthrough that we believe the honey's on the way. You in for that? Okay. Come on then. Ready? One, two, three. The honey is on the way. The honey is on the way. The honey is on the way. Glory to God. Give the Lord a big shout and a big praise.